It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm actually coming to you from a brand new spot. Just moved down closer to Cincinnati, now in the Blue Ash area. Loving it. Got a little bit of a uh, a separate space to do the podcasting. But we got some Reds to talk about. I also want to talk about some things. Um, There were a couple of moves that were made signings that the Reds didn't do that I'm not worried about, Uh, a trade that happened that the Reds weren't a part of that I'm not worried about, and a rumor that I am a little worried about. Before we get to all of that, though, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, in the Himalaya podcasting app. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr and at LockedOnReds. Also, Check out the Locked On Reds website, LockedOnReds.com. We'll get some more content up there here pretty soon. Also, save that Locked On Reds line number entry phone, 513-549-0159. So, the weekend happened and there were some moves. You may have seen that the Indians traded Corey Kluber. And some of you may remember that he was a prominently rumored target for the Reds last year whenever the Reds were looking to get the pitching. Kluber had an unfortunate season in 2019. It all stemmed from, he only made seven starts, and it all stemmed from the fact that he was hit on the arm by a line drive. It's not as if it was a throwing elbow issue or anything like that. It was just bad luck, to be honest with you. He missed a lot of time, and during his rehab stint, he actually injured his oblique during that rehab stint, and so they shut him down for the year, so he never actually made a comeback from that line drive. And the trade that happened, the Rangers sent outfielder Delano DeShields Jr. to Cleveland, and also pitcher Emmanuel Clace. And I could be saying that wrong. It could be Clase. That would be awesome if it's Classe. I really hope it's Classe for his sake. We're going to call him Classe until I actually hear someone say his name. Emmanuel Classe, a 21-year-old right-hander who lots of people say has a lot of potential. I've been looking around the Twitter water cooler, though, and some people think that they that the Indians may have overvalued Emmanuel Classe in this deal because most people look at this deal and say that the Indians got fleeced. And the quotes on ESPN.com and in the different articles in which we're talking about the trade, the quotes from the Indians general manager is they had numerous offers for Kluber, which is no surprise. Kluber is a former Cy Young Award winner, 
But they had multiple offers for him, and this was the best offer. Now, you can look up the numbers of both guys. Uh, Classe is, like I said, he's 21. Young dude, he's just getting his career started. Profiles is a pretty good reliever. He's got two really good pitches. But yeah, he, he's a reliever. And then you've also got Delano DeShields Jr., who bat just below 240 last season. He did have an on-base percentage of around 325, so he knows how to take a pitch or two. But at the same token, when you put those together, it really seems like that was a package that the Reds could do. Here's why I'm not worried about it, though. I don't think that trading for Corey Kluber was a good use of the trade ships. And the reason why is this. There is a Bleacher Report article, and now I know this is conjecture, but it was rumored that the Reds had offered a package to Houston. There uh, There was some rumblings and grumblings about Houston possibly looking to deal Carlos Correa. And I know that almost sounds like a red herring, something that is not even close to true. But apparently there have been multiple teams contact him about it. And the trade offer that was rumored was this. The Astros would trade Carlos Correa and outfielder Josh Reddick for Jesse Winker, Tony Santion, Jonathan India, and Michael Ciani. Sign me up for that trade. That would be the kind of deal that everyone would look back on this offseason and say that is the move that vaulted them into the championship conversation. That's what we're talking about here. That's the kind of move that I want to see made. Comparably, we would be talking about the kind of deal maybe you send Jesse Winker and, let's see, Classe is kind of a young... Young guy with high upside. I don't know. I'm without knowing a ton about Class A. I don't want to say that Joel Kunal is exactly what Emmanuel Class A is, but that would be Jesse Winker and Joel Kunal for Corey Kluber. Now the cost doesn't bother me. His year to year isn't that big of a deal. But at the same token, I don't think the Reds really missed out on this one. They've got the pitching. Really, they need to focus on the hitting. And if Carlos Correa is on the table, which hopefully is true, and Josh Reddick isn't that bad either. I'm not saying that he's the kind of guy that makes you a playoff contender. But when you combine the two, that is the kind of move that the Reds need to be making. Also, real quick too, Madison Bumgarner was signed by the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's hilarious to see this because the Diamondbacks a few years ago I think it was four years ago, signed Zach Grinke to a six-year, $200-plus million deal. This is a little bit cheaper. They got Madison Bumgarner at five years, $85 million. But at the same token, I still think that's too much money for the Reds to have allocated away from fixing the hitting. Because here's the deal. He was healthy last season. He made 34 starts, which is awesome. The two years before that, though, 21 starts and 17 starts in the two years, 2018 and 2017. So he was dealing with a lot of stuff there. 
I think he's coming to the point in his career where his usefulness is declining, but you're paying him like you're almost paying Corey Kluber. Now it's a couple million dollars less than Corey Kluber, but if we're talking about filling out the rotation, if we're talking about bringing in somebody to either compete with Tyler Malley or to take his place, but not necessarily somebody we look at as an ace or a two or a three, then we don't need to be going crazy. With, uh, there's plenty of guys out there that will end up being cost-effective here in a month or two as we get closer to spring training. And I think that's where we'll see the Reds get that possible fifth starter. I want to talk about, real quick, there, there was a rumor that came out. A, a guy that the Reds are looking at that I'm not all in on. I know there was... Um, I I talked about the whole David Price thing last week. This is a different one, a different rumor that I'm not liking. It's funny because usually when you hear rumors, you're like, oh, yeah, sign me up for that guy. That's not the case with these, and and I'll tell you why here in just a minute. Also, I want to get to a couple of Lockdown Reds line text messages. Before I do those, Spotify listeners, I want to talk to you for a second. Have you checked out the Spotify wrapped feature? Go into the Spotify wrap. It'll take kind of. It'll give you a list of the podcasts that you listen to on Spotify throughout the last calendar year. Do me a favor. Take a screenshot of that and tweet it at Locked On Live and at Locked On Reds. When you do, we'll share that for you. But basically, what it shows is a snapshot of your Locked On listening habits and and really any podcast that you listen to on Spotify, not just Locked On. Although I know that you're listening to Lockdown Podcast, but it shows all of the different podcasts that you listen to throughout the last calendar year. So like I said, take a screenshot of that, tweet it, tag at Lockdown Live and at Lockdown Reds, and we'll share that. So I saw a rumor out there, and his name, whenever it's listed in possible targets for the Reds, He's an outfielder, but his name is listed still behind the likes of Ozuna and Castellanos and even um, Corey Dickerson, but it's Cole Calhoun. This name worries me, because here's the deal with Cole Calhoun. Last year, he hit 33 home runs. Yay, that's, that's, that's all well and good. Every year before that, he hadn't eclipsed the number of 20 home runs. In fact, in 2018, his batting average was worse than Jose Peraza. We're looking at the Jose Peraza of outfielders. His career OPS plus is 105, barely above average. We're not talking about the kind of outfielder that knocks your socks off. I don't know if we're talking about some sort of cost-effective deal or something like that, but at the same token, I just, I, I really think that this is the kind of guy that lasts till spring training, lasts for a cheap deal, maybe even a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. I just don't see where the allure lies with Cole Calhoun because as, as Doug and I have talked about, and there's been a couple of different people that we've talked about this with this past year, the baseball was juiced. It really was. The baseball was crazy. And everybody was hitting it out of the ballpark. So everybody saw an uptick in power numbers. And with his 33 home runs, Cole Calhoun still only had a 467 slugging percentage. 
which means that most of his extra base power came from the home run. In fact, he had more home runs than doubles and triples combined. I know that's that's probably the case for some guys, but he just does not profile as the kind of guy that we're really looking for to fix the hitting, put in the middle of the order, and I, I just I, I'm not feeling Cole Calhoun. He's only ever hit 249 in his career, which I mean I guess in this day and age 249 isn't that bad. And his on-base percentage is 322, so that's okay. But just his his OPS altogether is in the 700s. Uh, that that seems like the kind of hitter that we had throughout the lineup last season. I don't see that as an improvement. I see that as a lateral movement. You ever you ever, you ever see a job opening, and you're like, oh hey, and then you go through the interview, and you're like, this isn't a step up. This is a lateral move, man. Like, this isn't doing anything for me. That, that, that's how I'm looking at this here. Because it's not... If, if, we're, if the Reds are looking to sign an outfielder, yes, they have talent and potential with Aristides Aquino in right field. They have a viable platoon in Jesse Winker and Phil Irvin. Here's the thing, though. They're looking for certainty. They're looking for a stalwart. They're looking for a guy to anchor that outfield. And then Nixon Zell in center field. But they're looking for a sure thing. Cole Calhoun is the furthest thing away from what the Reds are looking for. Cole Calhoun is a average to slightly above average hitter. That's not the kind of guy you get excited about adding. Heck, that's the kind of guy that would fit into a platoon. Not not a guy that I'm looking to hand the keys to the Corvette. That's just my opinion on Cole Calhoun. But when I saw his name listed, I'm like, man, come on. What about Puig, man? What about Puig? You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it right now. The Locked On Reds podcast. I'm officially naming the Locked On Reds podcast the official advocate for the return of Yasiel Puig. Now, maybe some other podcasts have talked about it. I know there's been some guys on the Hunt for Reds October podcast talk about this, but I'm all in, man. I want Puig back because here's the deal. I think he is the whole package. I get it. His hitting numbers aren't as impressive as Castellanos, but they're not that bad either. Over the last two years, we've mentioned this before. Him and Ozuna, same hitter. Ozuna's going to cost a lot more. And you might even get Puig on a one- or two-year deal, so you're not hamstringing yourself with, uh, you know, if something were to happen to him injury-wise or something like that, you're not going to hamstring yourself. And at the same token, he's projected to make close to $8 million per, depending on how the deal works out. That's fantastic. Because that still leaves you a ton of flexibility to move with other, you know, if you want to move a big trade, you want to go after Mookie Betts, what have you. And I know I, I read something with the Corey Kluber trade. The Indians are basically shutting down any notion that they're trading Francisco Lindor. But at the same token, if you sign Yasiel Puig, that I think just alone with the financial flexibility that that would give you, and you're getting a talented guy, everyone is scared of his arm. You can slot Aquino in left, Heck, you can, you can make a trade 
You could trade Phil Irvin. I'm not sure exactly what his trade value is, but you can create a platoon with Winker and Aquino. Upgrade on that platoon. That's you know that's that meme where you hit that upgrade button. We're upgrading that platoon pretty good there. You take pressure off of Aquino to be the guy. And you put Puig in right. Puig mentors Aquino. Puig is a great teammate. We already know that. And he's a fan favorite. Boom, boom, boom. Win, 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 win. Why haven't the Reds signed him yet? The Lockdown Reds podcast, your official advocate for the return of Yasiel Puig. Real quick, before I send you off here on this Monday, I got a text question in from Jordan. Jordan asks, now that the Reds are 0 for 3, and this is a couple of days ago, so they, you know, if you want to count Madison Bumgarner in there as a miss, be my guest, that's fine. But now that the Reds have whiffed on a number of bidding wars, it has kind of darkened my confidence in the Reds this offseason. Do you think the Reds are waiting to make a huge signing, or do you think they're getting unlucky? Also, where would the Reds be if they hadn't signed Moose? Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate the question there. And, and I'm with you. I'm getting impatient. I don't know that I've lost confidence, but I'm getting impatient with what's happening. I feel like the Reds need to have some sense of urgency here. It's not as if there is a deadline. Well, okay, there is a deadline. Duh, there's a deadline. Why, why would I even say that? Anyway, it's not as if they have to get a deal done before New Year's. Now, the Dodgers trade happened before New Year's last year, and that had everyone energized basically until, like, the trade deadline when the Rage traded Puig. But all in all, I don't think that they're waiting for anything. I'm with you. I, 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 I'm with that second part of the question. I think they're kind of getting unlucky. If uh, There was a piece that C. Trent Rosecrans had that basically the Reds have been in on all of these guys. They've been in on Didi. They've been in on Yasmani Grandal. They were in on Zach Wheeler. They just didn't get chosen. And that's the hardest part about this free agency business is that we as fans look at it and they say, well, and we say, what, what did the Reds do wrong? It's possible they didn't do anything wrong. Especially in the case of Didi, the more that I read about this and the more that I look at this, the more I understand this point. Didi wants to play with Joe Girardi. And I can't blame him. He seems like he's a good manager. Seems like he's a smart dude. Seems like he's a good dude to play for. If I was a baseball player, I'd probably want to play for him too. And if it came down to that and he's like, you know, I don't know David Bell. I know David, I know uh, Joe Girardi. And I did get traded from the Reds. They had a chance to have me. And I don't even think that was a thought. That's just whatever. I'm talking on the side of my neck there. But the the thing with free agents are, as writers love to tell us fans on Twitter, they have agency. They have the ability to choose to go somewhere. Who knows? Maybe Yasmani Grandal really likes Chicago hot dogs. And yeah, sure, you could probably get a Chicago-style hot dog at Sonic in Cincinnati, but it's not the same. It just ain't the same. And it's stuff like that, that it's hard to predict, but it's also hard to pin on the Reds because it's not as if they can control that sort of thing. On the other end of the spectrum, they cannot just wait. They cannot sit back, which I don't believe that they're doing, 
But I, man, we're we're kind of getting to the point where they're uh, kind of like you have mentioned. You're losing confidence in them. Everyone's getting antsy here in Red's country. We we want to see something happen. It's that it's that gif on Twitter. You know, somebody's poking a stick at something. It's like, come on, do something. That's what we want to see. But we as fans must understand that by the time opening day comes, I still have full confidence that the front office will have this figured out. The only problem is patience. Patience is a virtue. But man, it sucks. That's all we got for today. I appreciate you listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed on all your podcasting providers. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. And follow the show at Locked On Reds. Save that Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. Text, call, whatever you got. If you got a question, comment, you want to rant, hey, if you give me a call, uh, you know, and, and it's not too crazy, I'll play it on the podcast. I haven't got a whole lot of calls lately, mostly text messages. I get it. I understand, you know, maybe you don't want your voice on the podcast. That's fine. But if you do call, there's a chance you make it on the podcast. And also texting, too. Just make sure you leave me your name. Sometimes people don't text me their name and, you know, you don't get that shout out. Anyway, make sure you save that into your phone. Tomorrow, going to take a look at some things maybe maybe do a little uh, interpretations because it's coming to the point in the off season where the front office knows the front office understands that we are all impatient uh, but they're doing everything that they can so some of the quotes are starting to look like business speak and coach speak and all of this other stuff. We're going to do some translating on that on tomorrow's podcast and more. Talk about rumors, talk about some other fun stuff too. Make sure you listen tomorrow. Thanks so much. My name is Jeff Carr and I will talk to you all tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.